Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascendant Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at mybankersvault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, and less headaches, head on over to mybankersvault.com. That's mybankersvault.com. Hey guys, Omar Khan here with Beta Trading Co. I wanted to tell you about episode 124 of the Breakthrough Podcast. We currently have a special offer for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. We're offering a free one-hour live training session where we show how to instantly add stock options as a new income stream. Now, I've used this myself personally over the years to create a sizable real estate portfolio for myself, and there's no reason you can't as well. The cool thing is it only takes about 30 minutes a day, so if you have a job, or if you have a business, or you're just spending a lot of time with your family, you're going to have time to incorporate this in your life if you take the time to learn this, okay? Now... We're also offering a 15-minute free consultation to discuss how our option strategy can work with your current investment strategy and really take your investment to the next level, okay? So for more information, check out 30minutesstocktrader.com forward slash breakthrough to join us on our free live training, our next webinar. Remember again, episode 124, where Sandy and I go over exactly how I use this strategy to acquire a large real estate portfolio for myself, and there's no reason why you can't as well. See you there, guys. Talk soon. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for another episode here of the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm excited to get to it again. And uh, as always, Sandy's here with me. Hey, Sandy. Hey, Rob. How are you? Today? excited for this one. I'm uh, great. You know, sunshine and we're feeling like uh, summertime's coming and um, we got uh, you know, lots of exciting stuff. Real estate market's great and nothing to complain about. I don't want to be a downer here because the sun is out and that's very, very nice. It doesn't usually happen, to be honest. We get a lot of gray days here. But um, what I tend to notice is as the day progresses, the clouds roll in. It seems to be that way. It's been so, that way. You're right. Yeah. But I'm excited to get outside after we're done here and enjoy some of that too. Um, hey, everybody knows this, but I'm just going to say it again because I got to, you know. Uh, go over to our website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.com and download uh, all the episodes that we've put out over the past years. Listen to them right back to the first one. Um, and uh, and as well, you can contact and get in touch with and communicate with all of the guests that we've had over the years. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a great way to stay in touch. And they can also get our free gift. Yeah, the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate. And uh, when you download that, of course, as you know, you'll get on our email list so you never miss a show, never miss a, uh, a webinar or a property tour or anything else we got going on. And so go pick that up and um, never miss out. And as well, go over to iTunes, leave us a rating review. It helps out a lot, guys. You know that um, helps us get out there and uh, into the ears of people that are eager to get this information that we have to share with everybody. Um, I know that I, I, if if you have a problem with uh, whatever service you're using to listen to the podcast, let me know because there's been a couple of people saying that um, their their channel is not working properly. I think we've got it all fixed now. 
But uh, if not, just let me know. Reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook or email me, whatever, and uh, and we'll try and get it fixed. But as far as I know, I think everything's up and running again the way it's supposed to be. I think so, too. And you can always join us live on Facebook or YouTube while we're airing the show, uh, as we're doing right now, and uh, ask us questions live. Um, we'd love to hear some comments and feedback through the show. Ask our guests. You can... Uh, Jump in right while we have them here and they're, they're ready to go. And we would encourage you to do that so you can, you know, just uh, avoid any technical mishaps that might happen <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and get, a, get a chance to communicate live. Yeah, that's every Wednesday or every other Wednesday, uh, 1030 a.m. Okay, I think we've done all the housekeeping now. Sandy, you got anything else to share? Before we get going, hey, nothing much really today. I think um, you know we've got a great, exciting guest here standing by with uh, with Dan Devoe, and I think we should get to him. What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Welcome, All Dan. Right. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's really I exciting. Start I'm looking off by saying, first of all, sorry to interrupt you there. I gotta jump in and say, how come Sandy has such great looking hair? Does he uh, like got uh, some kind of connection on a? Uh, a barber in-house or something or your wife cut your hair for you or what's the story with that i know because it's uh it's tough to find a good haircut in a normal time let alone when there's nobody cutting hair but uh i uh i do my have my hair a, is seriously going crazy next. here i just look at myself on here and it looks it looks crazy but do you have a do you have some kind of black market connection on uh i do actually i have, on some, a hairdresser I have some black market stuff yeah. i can't really reveal anything that's the that's what a black market kind of is right you can't really talk about it <laughs> but uh but i do have some connections if you're in the hamilton area i could maybe set you up with something yeah i, know, I might um, actually make the drive i gotta come on yeah, the show Rob, and, i know that you're doing your own hair uh that's the that's with the razor, but uh, I was just about to ask why you didn't, why you weren't inquiring about mine. <laughs> it looks great. Yeah, you do a good job of that too. Um, like uh, that's not even that's that's with the the razor on there. Well, I need a haircut bad, but anyway, I'll let you I'll let you introduce me there, and we'll get this thing going. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. I'll, I'll read a quick bio here, and you can you can share more about yourself, of course, afterwards. But Dan is uh, Dan lives and invests in Sarnia, Ontario, and so I believe you're our first guest. Actually, no, probably second guest from Sarnia, Ontario. Uh, Corey, on our show. Corey, We've had Corey on before, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably a year or two years ago now at this point. But uh, Dan started investing in 2003. I flipped over 20 houses in the last two years, over 15 in his career. He's got a current portfolio of, uh, of buy and hold real estate, I assume, in the $6 million range. And he's also a, an active part of the Big Brother organization for the last 13 years. So giving back to the community and doing some great things there in your local area. So um that's just a quick couple of tidbits there but uh welcome we're happy to have you here and can't wait to learn more about this stuff thanks it's awesome thanks for having me guys yeah i'm really excited to talk about this because you know um one of the things that i'm always interested in is finding deals that work for flips i mean i, I feel like it's next to impossible in the market that we're in so we're going to dive into that and I'm looking forward to it so thanks for being here again sure. Not again, but again, yeah. thanks for being here. Yes, yeah. yes. Second okay, so let's get uh, let's get right into it. I mean, we always start off this way. Let's talk about how you got started in real estate investing. Well, that's uh, that's a funny story, and it goes it goes way back when I uh, I I went to uh, University of Windsor for art. I I was thought about being an art teacher. Got out of there and realized that no, this is this is definitely not for me, and I. I thought, well, I got to do something. So I thought, well, I had done construction over the summer summers, like several summers. So I was pretty good at construction. I thought, well, I'll, I'll do that in the meantime. So I, um, I moved to Toronto, actually, from Sarnia. I moved to Georgetown back when it was, uh, this was about, whatever, 20 years ago. So it, it, uh, it was just a farming community back then, basically. And I, I was doing new construction. I did that for a few years. And it... Um, I was going pretty well. And then I herniated a disc in my back at work. And because I was uh, self-employed, I couldn't get unemployment and I had to get back surgery. Um, and then, so I, I, I basically couldn't get unemployment. So I was in Toronto for a while. I thought well, I could just go back to work and I, um, I ran out of money. So I, th I had to move back into my, uh, my father's basement of his rental house at 28 years old. So it was embarrassing. It was horrible. I had no money. Um, it was down in this dungy old moldy basement. 
It was, it was uh, not a great scenario. It was quite depressing. And one night, I don't know, about two o'clock in the morning, I probably came home from the bar or something. I don't even remember, but I remember it was early in the morning and uh, probably having a little snack or something. And I was watching TV and there was a infomercial on TV. And there was this little guy named Tom Vu. I don't know if you guys know who Tom Vu is, but uh, he did those crazy 80s, um, uh, what are they called, the infomercials, where he'd be driving around in a, you know, like in his, uh, what did they have back then? Mercedes, not a Mercedes, uh, a Rolls Royce. He had a Rolls Royce. It was, it was hilarious. Um, or he'd be driving his boat with a bunch of girls with bikinis on there. Anyway, I thought, oh my God, like this is literally it. That was, that was my moment for when I said, this is absolutely 100% what I want to do. Um, so of course his, his, his seminar was in Florida. It was 6,000 US to go, to go to this seminar. I didn't have a penny. So I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? So I, I did some research at the time and there were some other guys in the, in the game there too. I mean, obviously there was Robert Kiyosaki, there was um, Carlton Sheets, there was Robert Allen, all these gurus were doing the same stuff at the same time. And I, uh, I, so I ordered some stuff from uh, this guy named Carlton Sheets and this great big fat binder comes to my house. I don't know what I paid for, it was a thousand bucks US or something. And this great big binder comes to my house and I'm looking, reading at all this stuff. And all this, you know, I don't know anything about uh, real estate. Um, and it's all US based stuff, but the, 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 you know, the strategies are basically the same, you know, no money down, you know, seller financing, those kinds of things were in there. And at the beginning of the chapter, it says, uh, it says, go around to neighborhoods that you would potentially want to invest in and look on people's front yards and see if you can see signs that will say for sale, house for sale, uh, will finance or owner financing, you know, and I thought this is complete horseshit. I've never, I've never seen any of these signs. Like what, there's no way that this works, but literally the first week I go out looking at houses, there's a sign on a front yard of a house, little wartime house. And the sign on there said, um, owner, it said house for sale, uh, will finance. I still have a picture <laughs> of that. And I thought, Oh my God, this is, this can't be happening. Um, so I, I got a hold of the guy and sure enough, this, I mean, there's a big longer story to that whole, that, to that whole thing. He was a bit of a shyster, this guy, he had about 300 houses that uh, basically what he would do, he would buy a $20,000 house and he would, um, you know, put his unsuspecting young whippersnapper like me in there. I would fix up the house and they just kick you out in a few years and then he would just continue to do that. But anyway, wow. the, the story ends good for me here that I ended up buying this house. It was $2,500 down and um, $2,500 down and I think it was nine and a half percent that I was paying. Actually, there was, it was two partners. Actually, the one partner wanted twelve percent. The other guy must have felt bad for me. But uh, he, I talked him down to nine and a half percent. I think they wanted five thousand down too. And I, I said, no, guys, I, I don't have that kind of money. You know, which is funny now when you think about it now. But so twenty five hundred bucks to put down. I fixed up that house. It was amazing. Uh, in two years, it was brand new. I built a garage in the back. It was spectacular. But the, the end of that story is. So in two years, uh, this I have to go get a mortgage, and of course this guy's not telling me this, right? And he's waiting, he's waiting for for this two years to be up so he can kick me out and uh, find someone else. Um, so I go try to find a mortgage, and I can't get a mortgage anywhere because I don't I don't know anything about this stuff. And of course, nobody's telling me. And uh, I had a student loan at the time from finishing university, so I did I couldn't get I couldn't get uh, a mortgage. And I got right down to the, like, I literally went everywhere. At the time, I didn't know you could get a mortgage broker uh, that, you know, because if you go to every bank, you're also going to wreck your credit score. That's another little tidbit in there. But um, so I went to every bank. They all said no. And I get down to the last bank, RBC, and I'm filling out the forms. And they get to the section where it says, do you have any debt? And I thought, I think I'll just leave this blank. And I left it blank and filled out the rest. And of course, this is whatever, 20 years ago, uh, they approved my mortgage. And, you know, a few months later, they called me and they said, hey, you know, you have you have a student loan here. And I, and I said, yeah. And they said, well, why didn't you put it on your application? And I said, I didn't even see that part. 
anyway, so that's, um, that's sort of how I got into real estate. I mean, you know, obviously I, so I, once I had, once you have your first house, that's the hardest part. And, and I, I got that house, uh, got a mortgage and then, uh, soon after, well, Soon after, I actually sold that house and put the whole thirty thousand down that I had. I got thirty thousand from that. I ended up buying a little plaza, um, and that's sort of how my investing career began. We can talk about the plaza if you like, but uh, you know, absolutely. If you have any wanna, what yeah. was the purchase price of the house? So the purchase price of the house was fifty-seven uh, five. This is this is in Sarnia. Seven five. This is in Sarnia. Yeah, I mean there was. I mean back then, twenty years ago, there was houses under a hundred thousand were everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, even now there's a few kicking around, but uh, now the market. I mean, the market we all know has gone completely bonkers. It's gone bonkers here in Sarnia, but you know, it's funny in Toronto or in the Golden Horseshoe, Ontario, wherever it's you know it's gone up. It's been great. It's gone five, ten percent a year for the last 10, 15 years. In Sarnia, it stayed at literally two percent increase for twenty years, and then literally in the last three years, it's gone up one hundred and twenty percent. Yeah, which is completely crazy. But anyway, so. Yeah, I ended up buying a little plaza. I don't know if you want to talk about my first plaza I bought, but uh, oh no, nah, we won't. Know, we don't we want can, to talk about that. Yeah, we can. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely. Let's hear about it. Of course. But, okay, so so okay, so I I after so what, I get a mortgage. What what made you want to get into it? Like, was it just that the opportunity arose at the right time? Was that, or, or how did you find you it? My, the first house? No, the no, first the, house the plaza. No, the the plaza. Oh, the plaza. So it was, it was actually a funny story there. So I, I actually I had a little renovation business at the time, and I was trying to find a place to have some storage. And uh, this, I mean, this was a bad part of town full of, you know, whatever, all the things that a bad part of town has. But it was in Central City. So it, I, I see the, I seen the potential there. <coughs> and I, I just, you just wanted a warehouse. And I, for two years, I talked this guy trying to sell me this plaza. It had five buildings, 17 apartments, commercial spaces, warehouse, everything. And I think they were asking about 500,000 at the time. And I told the guy 300 grand is what I'll pay. I'll give you 30,000 down. Cause I knew if I sold my house, I'd have 30,000. So I told him I'll sell my house of 30,000. I'll give you the whole 30,000 down. You hold the mortgage and we'll do a deal. I, it took two years of, of hassling this guy. He couldn't sell it. Uh, he tried, he had it on the MLS. He took it off the MLS. He just, he couldn't sell it. Finally, two years later, he says, um, he, he said, he'll do it. Now, of course, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I sold my house. I doubled down. I mean, I just tripled down. I, I literally stole my house, took the whole 30,000, gave it to him, moved into one of the apartments because uh, I had, you know, I had nowhere to go now. And I thought, well, that made sense. I'll live in the I'll live in the plaza. That that makes sense because I'll be able to control things a little better and and be easier to work there. And um, ended up buying the plaza. But there's a funny story about this is, so I'm I'm I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. I'm at the lawyer and I'm signing the papers. And I'm going through you know all the the addresses there. And I'm signing all the papers. And it has you know because it's on a corner street. There's several addresses. And I get to the bottom of the page and it says. 222 Dundas Street. And I said to the lawyer, I said, what is 222 Dundas Street? And they said, well, that's the fiveplex. And I said, the fiveplex for what? And he says, the fiveplex, that's part of this deal. And I go, there's a fiveplex part of this deal? Where is this? So it was a street over and the seller had no idea. When, when we negotiated this deal, he said, what, you know, what are we talking about here? And I said, all the properties. Well, I meant all the properties on the corner. <laughs> he thought I meant all the properties, so which was all he had, which was an extra property down the street. And that was part of the deal that I had no idea was even in the deal. So wow. that was uh, a great ending to that. I got a fiveplex for free. Um, you know, that, 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 that plaza was completely, uh, you know, I, I can't even tell you the, the learning curve that I went on from, uh, from that plaza, but uh, it was the greatest thing. It was about, you know, it was literally about, I still actually own that plaza. This where my office is, but it was a five year hardcore learning curve of everything about real estate. And I'm, you know, I'm forever grateful that, uh, you know, 
that 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 happened to me actually because that's what started me on the path to freedom and that's uh but boy you know i mean 17 apartments pretty much every apartment had a clawfoot tub cast iron clawfoot tub on second story uh you know it was full of drug addicts and crazy people and fights in the parking lot and late night parties and just you know for years it was a battle just turning that into something uh, but uh, you know at the end of about three years there uh you know having neighbors coming out we're right across the street from a skate park it was more, it was actually the first uh, kids skate park in in canada and we're right across the street from that and the kids wouldn't go in the park because they were too afraid because there's so much drugs and craziness going on at the time but uh, after five years the the entire neighborhood changed because of changing that plaza so uh so that was uh that's been a, a great feather in the cap over the years that uh, converting that plaza. We can talk about financing if you, if you want. That, uh, the financing was crazy there because I ended up, this guy was holding the mortgage and after, after three years of him holding the mortgage, he was actually holding it at 5%, but I, I was nervous that I wasn't, again, I wasn't gonna be able to get financing when this, when this thing came due because I had spent so much time and money on it. So I was so focused on getting financing. I ended up going to a, um, none of the banks would, would touch it, but I went to, uh, cause I was self-employed too at the time. So I ended up going to a, uh, I think it was, it was AIG or one of those, um, insurance companies that did mortgages at the time. And they gave me an 8% mortgage. I had a 5% mortgage. I traded that in for an 8% mortgage only for the fact that they gave me a couple of hundred thousand extra. And that, that made a huge difference because I didn't know back then about borrowing private money to fix things up and do the burst strategy, right? I didn't know anything about that at the time. This was literally my, my first property. And um, yeah, so I ended up getting my, you know, getting this 8% mortgage. I had a couple hundred thousand. I completely, uh, I really made that money go a long way. And then after about th another three years, I took that to RBC. And that's how I started my relationship with RBC, uh, doing that commercial-wise. Anyway, um, I got a new first mortgage, you know, and that paid that one off. I, was, I went from 8% to 5% and it was spectacular. You know, I got two or three hundred thousand <laughs> probably pulled out, yeah, probably pulled out more yeah. money then too. Yeah, yeah I, got, yeah, I, got, I, got, I think I got $300,000 out of that deal and my, my payment stayed the same. So, yeah, um, yeah. so then, that, then that's how I, that's how I kind of went on a tear there buying. That's how I sort of, I, I, I thought I was the guy who invented the Burr strategy, by the way. Um, you know, that was before Burr came along, I thought, oh my God, I, I, I can fix up a property and go back to the bank, get my money back and do it again. You know, this, this light bulb went off and I thought, you know, this is it. This is the, you know, I, I knew real estate, this is, this is amazing. So I bought about uh, I bought about a dozen properties in the next few years, just duplex after duplex after triplex, fiveplex, whatever. Uh, this was you know back in Sarnia, you know, 15 years ago, it was shooting fish in a barrel. But you know, I, I wish I knew what I know now. I would have had you know I would have bought 40 houses. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but I, I didn't I didn't understand the at the time the you know i knew how the burst strategy worked but i would have uh you know at the time i would have borrowed private money right and 10 times uh done the 10x in sarnia but it it, it worked out pretty good that's awesome I, I um the numbers are crazy to hear in this and uh i just if someone whoever's listening or watching and if you haven't heard of tom tommy vu you got to go check him out because he's got some absolutely pretty, pretty funny and and awesome videos out there uh from the i think they're the 90s probably right early 90s maybe they're amazing yeah <laughs> he's so funny yeah yeah I'd make, I'd, i used to make fun of his voice and uh but it's not politically correct to do that anymore but uh you i would absolutely say go look at those videos if you want a good laugh it's uh it's it's yeah. it's um yeah it's the ultimate in marketing though it's hey, it absolutely worked. it worked it got you into it the, got you excited yeah. got you into the into the business and you know there's there's not yeah. you can laugh at you, them in a way but they're also they are they work you know when you were talking yeah, about think, when yeah. you were talking about the Go apartment <coughs> excuse me when you're talking about the apartment with the parties going on and the drugs and all that i figured that was very much likened to the bikini girls on the boat yeah. for you yeah. <laughs> yeah there was some half naked people there too 
there was there was people like literally i mean urinating in the parking lot fights it was like i it was like i owned a bar it's like i owned a dive bar and that's that's how crazy the first few years were and i at the time i had just started dating my uh my partner now that i that i've been with for 18 years literally i just started dating this girl as my real estate career started and you know trying to convince her Thank God I didn't have to convince her. We didn't live together. We just started dating. But I thank God I didn't have to convince her that this was a great thing that I was doing, and and it would end up, it would end up great, um, uh, setting me up for the rest of my life. But uh, boy, at the time, she was just, oh my God, Dan, this seems completely insane. Like, what are you doing? And and I would just have to convince her that it's, uh, you know, don't worry, this this will work out. I know it'll work out. But uh, it was tough. The first few years was was crazy how, how did you have that how did you have that like foresight to know it's going to work out how did you convince yourself of that and like because there's lots of challenges obviously tenants and crazy characters hanging around you talked about the financing stuff a little bit and, and that was some challenging times there a little bit although he got got some good luck mixed in there too how do you keep well, going with that? Part, there's so yeah, many challenges like, I mean, that come up right yeah absolutely well i think starting from zero helps that's uh right you're starting mm-hmm. from zero and and what is the alternative? The alternative is to go get a job and do what everybody else is doing. And I seen that as a dead end. There's absolutely a dead end. You will never be in my in my mind at the time. I thought I will never be a millionaire this way. It's going to be impossible. So I thought I, I literally have stocks. I can get into stocks or I can get into real estate. Those are really only the two uh, buy a business or build a business. Uh, to be wealthy in Canada anyway, that's really the only three ways. And uh, building a great business, I didn't think that was really going to happen. Uh, stocks, uh, that wasn't even an option. Um, so pretty much real estate was, and it was my, um, you know, like Damon John talks about the power of broke. When you're starting from zero, uh, it's easy to get the ambition every day to say, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see how other people are doing it as well, right? You know that, you know, other people, it's just a matter of once you get these systems in place, um, you can see that it does work. But boy, fighting through it every day, wondering if I was going to go broke for the first three years was really, really hard. And especially in the back of my mind thinking, I could be spending two or three years working on fixing up this building and then still lose it. But again, you wouldn't start at zero. Uh, you know, you keep on thinking in the back of your mind, the worst place I, I'm going to be is back to where I started and I can do this again. So that's a, you know, that's an easy way to keep it get going every day. You know, not only that, <laughs> you weren't just you weren't just going to the property working on it and then going home somewhere else like to a to a cozy house. You like dived right in and just lived on site. What was the apartment I was like? Living there. I tried to pick the best one, but it it um, you know, they were all bad. Uh, you know, obviously I started on the first apartment I started on was my own. Um, it was actually a decent, uh, decent sized part. It was about a thousand square foot apartment on the main floor. Um, and I spent the first, uh, you know, the first three, four months just working on that apartment. So I, I definitely had the nicest apartment after three or four months, but, uh, again, I was living there and, and back then I didn't have any systems in place. And, and, you know, I was literally going around, walking around grabbing tenants on the street and saying you owe me 300 bucks you know and and you know just just craziness like that um or just i like i said i live there um you know i had to learn all these systems um and back then you know it's people are so fortunate nowadays that uh, we have such a community of like-minded people there's you know well the internet i mean the internet wasn't big back then but um now we have uh, there's so many resources for people to be successful in this business nowadays like there's really no excuse because it's Mm -hmm. it's so it's a hundred times easier than than when i started just you know it's been 18 years for me but uh there's so many resources for people to uh to get started in this business and and uh you know there is no other business like real estate i think in my mind if you want to be wealthy if you want to be free so do you still see do you still invest in mixed mixed use sort of plaza multifamily style properties and um i do what challenges are out there today or has it changed much or um you know what do you think the future of that is 
Uh, well, everything's a little bit kind of weird right now with just because of what's going on in my area. Uh, like I said, literally uh, everything's doubled in the last in the last year and a half. Everything is doubled, so it's uh, so it's a little weird. Now, mind you, rents are the same when you look at commercial stuff out there. I really like I really like mixed use. I become somewhat of an expert in my area for mixed use. I, I like mixed use because it, to me. Uh, you get the best of both worlds. Um, I, I like the the residential aspect of it is guaranteed money because you're always going to have tenants in there. Um, and the commercial aspect of it, I I try to buy properties with uh, strategically, um, ideally with land or or some way that I can develop a property. Like try to get the larger the largest property I can for what I can afford. Uh, try to find some um, either some free land in there somewhere or, or um, underdeveloped um, levels. Like for example, if you buy a three-story building or something and right now there's nothing in the third story and you're buying it based on the, um, the, the space that's occupied or the rent that is, it, that, you know, you have to figure out something that, okay, down the road, I can change this property to X. Uh, like for example, I, I bought a, um, another crazy story. I bought a, uh, a, 10 acre parcel uh, about seven years ago with a water park on it, um, which was completely crazy. But it seemed it seemed like a no brainer to me. As long as it cash flowed, I it, it it had to make sense. My realtor brought it to me. Nobody wanted this deal, and it was a it was a mixed use property. I like the fact that it had uh, apartments in it because it was a great buffer. I knew that even if every tenant left commercial tenant, I'd still have some, uh, I'd still have money coming in to pay the rent. And what I liked about it was, uh, even if the water park, I, I figured out the, the, uh, the ROI without the water park and it's still cash flowed. And I thought, okay, well, if this thing goes under, I'm still going to be okay. And the water park was sitting on five acres and this is prime you know, um, prime real estate in, in Sarnia, we're, we're kind of in a corner, um, to the North, we've got the, the lake, uh, to the West, we've got, uh, the river, the U S and to the South, we have refineries, Indian reservations and stuff. You can't go out there. So really the only direction you can go is East. And this 10 acre piece is literally right in, right in the way of that. And I thought, well, in, um, you know, five or 10, 20 years, whatever it takes, this is going to be a prime piece of real estate. So as long as it cash flows, which it does, um, then, uh, then there's, there's great potential there. I'm, I'm actually right now trying or not say trying, I am studying for my, uh, to get my Terry on license to be a builder. And I'm thinking about, um, developing the five acre parcel in the back of my property. I'm surrounded by, uh, um, a retirement community um, that's around me right now. And ironically, I'm on commercial and they won't let me develop. At the, at the moment, they won't let me develop this this thing I'm trying to develop. But uh, I'm surrounded by a, uh, a trailer park. I think down the road, I'll figure out a way to, because um, I know there's a, pro there's a project down the road that they've just okayed and it's residential. So I think down the road, they'll let me do it. And, um, so yeah, so it's just a great, a great property, but boy, uh, that was, that was a good learning curve too. buying a, a 10 acre parcel with a water park on it. There was lots of fights with, uh, lots of stories, crazy stories, you know, with the, I actually had to get this water park taken down and I got lucky and I, I, um, I have a new tenant there, you know, ax throwing business. Um, and he, uh, one of the deals I made him is he could use that back part, but he'd have to take the water park down himself. He'd have to pay for it. And he found huh. some guys. He gave away the steel, but you know, you just put you just put an advertisement uh, out there saying free anything, and uh, there'd be a lineup down the street. So that's what he did. He said free steel. You got to come and take it down. And uh, he made an agreement with the a company uh, to take down the steel, but also they had to take out all the cement uh, out of the, um, which was a great deal for me. I mean, I got all that removed for free. And now I have a five acre uh, piece of land there with drains, drainage everywhere um, for free. So it was a great deal for me. And uh, I think that project is going to, is going to work out great. So why is nobody else seeing the potential that you see in these places? Cause your, your comment is always no one else wanted this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I'm the guy who actually, I, when I talk to realtors, I say, 
send me the stuff nobody wants, you know, and then because they're, they're not all they're not all actually not all home runs, obviously, but um, but yeah, send me the stuff that nobody wants. Um, and and you have to be able to see, yeah, see what other people don't see. Um, land is a no brainer. I mean, the other stuff is is does take some work to figure out uh, change of use and those kinds of things. But if you're buying property uh, for under even what the land is worth, it's 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 a home run all day long. Like this particular property was ten acres on uh, on the on the main drag. Uh, it was probably worth a million dollars just for the land. And I paid 460 for it. I think they wanted 650 and it sat for a year. And I said, 460, 460, 460. And then eventually they just said, yeah, you can have it for 460. And, uh, you know, the, probably the land today is worth 2 million, just the land without any buildings. So yeah, I'll, I'll take that all day long. I mean, I've got some crappy plazas on there. Yeah, I agree 100%. They're crappy plazas, but I'm not looking at the plazas as long as they cash flow right now. Uh, you know, eventually, you know, that'll turn into something. I actually the the owner of that plaza. So it was a 10 acre parcel, and then he sold off one acre on on the front corner uh, right by the the highway, and it was attached to my property. He sold that, you know, years prior to before I bought it. But when I bought it, uh, I was been eyeing that thing for years. And then finally, I convinced the seller, um, the seller was going to go bankrupt. And I, I convinced him to sell it to me. So I actually bought that, that one acre parcel on the corner, which is, uh, you know, I bought it for, I think, 200 grand. And it was worth, you know, minimum 500 grand. You know, you're talking right prime real estate, right on the main drag, uh, a one acre parcel with about a thousand feet of frontage. So, yeah, so that worked out great. But I mean, you know, time, time, you have to certainly be patient uh, in this business. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to be very patient. A lot of these deals, I literally bugged these people for years. I bought a nineplex, uh, how many, about five years ago, I bought a nineplex for 150 grand, a nine unit townhouse complex for 150 grand in Sarnia, true story. Uh, but I bugged that guy for two years and uh, I spent about, I think I spent about 300 grand. I'm trying to remember what exactly I spent on that, but I spent about 300 grand. I knew I had about 550 into it when I was done. And, um, you know, it was worth a million dollars right then. So, uh, so now it's probably, you know, with the way things are going, it's probably worth a million and a half. That was about five years ago. Um, that was a great, that was a great project, but I had to bug the guy for two years. Um, you know, and that's, I encourage your, you know, your listeners, if they're, they're getting into the game and, you know, they have to, they have to understand patience. They have to, you have to have a list of, uh, you know, literally, you know, a hundred places that you're after and bug them all the time and bug them and bug them and bug them and bug them until, and, and then just at one point there, if you're the guy who's calling all the time, when they do decide to sell it, they're going to call you first. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and those are the, those, those are the deals that you want. Man. I, I feel like we could talk about the challenges that you, even just the first plaza that, that you brought up. I feel like we could talk about that and fill like two hours just with the Absolutely. challenges and, 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 and the progress of that place. But you mentioned uh, earlier, Sandy mentioned in the bio that you flipped over 50 houses. So we got to talk about your flips too. So, I mean, let's talk about how you got into starting to do that. Well, the funny thing is about flips is that I actually got into that sort of by accident. And I had, I had a, uh, you know, I had a construction background, so that, that definitely helped, but flipping, I would say flipping is 90% management and 10% everything else. Uh, over the years, I've learned this the hard way because I thought, well, how hard can this be? I, I have a construction background. It's really not about um, anything about the construction. Uh, it's really managing, managing people, managing your time, managing, managing, managing. And I, I actually got into flipping because back at the story I was telling you earlier about having a student loan, 
the student loan is really causing me grief. I just, I couldn't figure out how to pay this thing off. So I thought uh, maybe I'll get into flipping. This is, uh, you know, about uh, 10, 12 years ago, or actually about 15 years ago. And um, I thought I'll, I'll uh, see if I can flip a house. I bought this old crappy house, I think for about 40 grand, which is the, you know, crazy talking about 40 grand for a house nowadays, but for 40 grand, and it took me a few months to flip this house. And I made exactly $17,000. And that's exactly what I owed on my student loan. And I just went wham. And then I went, okay, this works. Yes, I really like this. And I only flipped, you know, two or three houses a year for several years. And then I didn't really take it seriously until about five years ago. And then I went all in with the, um, I actually took a little bit of a break there for a few years. And I just thought, okay, I'm sort of retired now. And then realized that that, that sucks. It's pretty hard to build when you're, um, you know, not actively going at things. So I thought, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get back into flipping. And I went in all in on the flipping and uh, I actually had quite a bit of a learning curve on there. And it's, it's not as glamorous as, is is uh, definitely what TV shows and all that um, uh, you'll see on TV. You know, I, I can give, uh, you know, your listeners <laughs> lots, of, lots of horror stories about, uh, about flipping, but um, it, it can be very profitable. It's been really good in the last few years. But uh, my first two or three years, it was a real, a real struggle. I, I, I believed back then that the, um, foolishly, that the more work you did on the house would equal more money you would make. That was my thinking back then and realize now it's the complete opposite. Uh, the less you have to do, the more money you're going to make. So I was, I was taking on these massive projects, you know, just lath and plaster, uh, you know, messed up foundations, total gut jobs, you know, redoing furnaces and, all, you know, all this crazy stuff, knob and tube wiring and galvanized pipe and messed up, you know, I would take the worst of the worst project and thinking I was going to make the most money and it was horrible. And now, you know, now five years later, um, I'm realizing that you can go in there, change the carpets and, and paint and make the same amount of money in one month as I used to make in eight, uh, you know, with 10 times the work. Now, does that have to do with appreciation in the current market that we're in? Or is that just, just, yeah, like it, it, it does. But you know, uh, you know, one of the, the smartest things you're ever going to learn is, is, uh, the, one of the best things, that you, the, one of the best deals you'll ever do is the one you don't do. Someone told me that many years ago, and uh, it's slowly finally sinking in because <laughs> I used to take on everything, right? When, when I said, bring me your worst. Not less. Yeah, when I used to tell realtors, bring me your worst, well, whatever they brought me, I would just buy and thinking I could make something out of this. Uh, it's a terrible strategy, terrible strategy. Um, you know, I used to tackle every project and even my, some of my larger buildings, I would, uh, I, I would say, yeah, I can do this. Plus I'm a hands-on guy and I love kind of getting into those things and, and being busy, but, uh, that's not what makes you money. Uh, strategizing is what makes you money. Uh, analyzing, uh, properties, figuring it out from beginning to end. Um, <clears throat> that's what makes you money. Speed makes you money. I, that is, I would say the number one thing is speed makes you money. Working on a project for a year, eight months, very foolish. You want to get in, get it done, get out, get your money. Uh, that, that's not even counting if the, um, if the market changes. We've been, you know, I, I bought a, about two years ago, I bought uh, a portfolio, seven properties from a old Italian guy that died. And I'd been bugging this guy again for two years to sell me his portfolio. And then he died and ended up buying it from his, you know, his wife and the state. And uh, I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but I bought seven properties all at once. And all seven of the properties were bad foundations, you know, knob and tube, uh, lath and plaster, roofs. It just, it, it goes on and on and on. And um, that project I worked close to two years on and didn't make any money. Not a dime. Mm -hmm. I might even have lost a little bit of money. I don't even know. But those seven properties 
cost me two years of my life. And the market really saved me because if the market stayed flat, I would have lost money. But uh, now I've never lost any of my investors' money, but uh, I've lost a little bit of my own um, from foolish projects that I've bought. But I mean, sometimes you don't know. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. I bought a flip house a few years back, a little wartime house, little square house, you know, box house. And uh, it was $17,000. And I went in there and I looked and I thought, well, this isn't bad. It had a bit of a dip in the floor. And I thought, well, okay, that's not a big deal. I was smiling under my, you know, as I'm negotiating this, I'm thinking, wow, I'm going to get this house for this cheap. And uh, I thought I can just cut a hole in the floor and just jack up the, 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 not the foundation, but the floor joists, make it level, paint and whatever. And I'd sell this thing for a hundred grand and I was going to make a killing. So bought this house and then of course I didn't go underneath the house because you couldn't get underneath the house at the time. And uh, obviously I was going to cut a hole in the guy's floor to jump underneath the house. So I just bought this house sort of in, you know, I know what I'm doing. So I bought this house, cut a hole in the floor, very first day, a demo day, jump underneath and I look, my heart sank, like literally sank. The entire um, main floor that was holding up all the walls for everything was so punky, you could take your finger and stick it through the floor joists. Wow. Like just, that's how, I couldn't believe that the house was still standing. And my, my heart literally sank. And so for the next, I think about eight months, um, we had to put the house on stilts because there was nothing to hold up the house. We had to put the house on stilts inside. We had about 20 jacks holding everything up. And we had to remove all the walls, all the walls, all the floor, everything, <coughs> and literally build a new house. And uh, needless to say, I uh, I think I broke even on that one. But um, but eight months of my life, uh, you know, I flipping houses. Um, you know, if, if I was going to tell um, young, hungry uh, real estate uh, newbies um, what to get into, I would certainly say don't do flipping as a strategy to start off with. I would highly recommend just Get into, get into. I would say house hack or buy a duplex. I would say duplex would be number one. Live in one half, rent out the other, and uh, and then once you get uh, two or three, maybe four or five houses under your belt, then maybe tackle uh, flipping houses because then at least you have some kind of a foundation. If you uh, blow your brains out on the first um, on your first flip, you may never get out of debt. Like you literally may never get out of debt. It would be a lifetime sentence. And I think I think it's way, way easier and safer just to, uh, you know, I mean, buying a duplex, you can get your mother to co-sign. You could get a, somebody to co-sign for you. The, the barrier of entry is very, very little. Uh, when you're flipping a house, it's very, very dangerous, uh, especially at the beginning. Um, you know, that's my two cents on that's my two cents on house flipping. I think those are great points. I love I, I think the speed is super important, getting in and out. I can't I can't I guess so many things popping in my mind around my myself or other people I've worked with where they're they're going in and wanting to do everything because it's it's sexy, it's fun, it's on HGTV, it's it's what it's what they think that that that's what flipping houses must be. You need to beautify to make it look beautiful. And then I I there's so many times I can look back on those projects and go, well, what you should have just sold it right away and done nothing. Mm -hmm. You would have made, mm -hmm. you would have made absolutely 10, you would have made the same, or maybe you would have made it slightly less even, but you didn't spend any time there. You were in and out in a, in a couple months versus a year. Um, I just can't imagine. I can't, even, there's so many stories that I could go through around that, that uh, it might not be as fun or as sexy, but it, it makes you money. And well, that brings up wholesaling, you know, that leads right into wholesaling. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I've been actually doing that lately because for example, in the, like say bad part of my town, bad part of my town is the South end. So I just say the South end, um, the South in the South end here, if you, uh, you know, like, let's say the, uh, the highest end of house is going to get you maybe say 300,000, let's say, for example, I, I bought a house a month ago for 140,000 in this area where, you know, the absolute top of the market is around 300. I, I, I thought about this for a little while and I thought, you know what, if I, if I fix this up house up, it's going to cost me about 80 grand. Uh, I paid 140. You, you, after you add that up, plus them always something goes wrong, add a little extra in there, 10, 10% buffer. 
at the end of the day, after I pay realtor fees and all this other stuff, I'm probably going to make, let's say, you know, 60 grand, 60, 70 grand, uh, which is great. That's great money. You know, uh, take that all day long. Uh, and then I thought I could probably do nothing to this house, literally nothing. And because uh, I mean, I was going to fix the roof and I thought, you know, I, I just got to get that out of my head. What could I get for this house as is not doing anything? And I made a few phone calls and 200 came. That was the number 200 to 220. So I, I sold it. I, someone offered me 200 grand for this house. I did absolutely nothing and made 60 grand. And the alternative, I almost completely renovated this house, which would have taken me six months. And I don't know who know who knows what, what I, I would have made, but sometimes it's just better to, um, Look at the numbers right from day one, and you know you don't have to you don't have to do that you don't have to do anything. Sometimes you just have to fix the roof yeah. and just resell yeah. it. But anyway, tell so you that, what, that leads you to wholesaling there. That's totally true though, because I every single flip that I've done, I probably would have made the same amount of money if I'd done very very little or nothing at all. You know, yep. and it's probably due to the market at the time. I would say a lot to do with that, but still, I mean. I think what you're saying is very important for people to, to, to sink into their heads. I made a joke with my, I have a fellow uh, um, real estate flipper from London that he's, he's kind of in my town doing deals there. I went and visited him yesterday and we were talking and uh, he said he had about another month's worth of work left. And then I said, well, lucky for you in the next month, the real estate will go up another 20 grand. So uh, I said, take your time and sell it in the summer and you'll probably make an extra 50. Yeah. Everything is just, it's just stupid, 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 stupid around here right now. But yeah, you know, wholesaling at the beginning, I thought wholesalers, what these guys they're you know, um, you know, really wholesaling has only been popular in the last year or two. Um, and, and people are actually making legitimate businesses out of wholesaling. I can't, uh, the numbers really don't work for me. Uh, for me, you know, like a lot of the wholesalers now are saying, you know, like the, the, this is, this is under market value. Uh, I don't, I don't really see much difference between what the wholesalers are offering and, and what you'd get the house for an MLS. Um, I think the wholesalers are taking a little too much, but listen, if I was a wholesaler, I'd want, I'd want, want more money too. So, well, you know. I do think the big thing right now too is, uh, well, I shouldn't say this because if you're if you're on a wholesalers list, you're probably competing with a bunch of other people as Absolutely. well. But I, I think that there's a lot less competition. I mean, we're in bidding wars of like the house down the street from me had 49 offers on it the other day. Like, so if you yeah, can if you can yeah. be in a if you can be in a bidding war with like five people, you probably got a little bit of a leg up. I mean, just to be able to get into something right now is pretty challenging, depending on where you are. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know what everybody's doing. I mean, uh, you know, I thought about. I was thinking about building. I mean, that's another thing, right? I, uh, you know, I love the house that I'm in. I'm, I'm very, uh, very grateful, very blessed to be in a in a great house, and I, and I love where I'm at. But I'm thinking, what am I going to do for the next house? Uh, you know, I might have to build something, and then you know, with that, we could go down that rabbit hole of what the hell's going on in building with, uh, you know, everything going crazy with building materials and stuff. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. The market is uh, the market is pretty crazy. Um, you know, it's funny. We had I had literally sixteen years of nothing happened in my area, and then everything's happened in the last three years. We've been I've been watching from the sidelines here in my little town of Sarnia, watching what's going on in the GTA for the last ten years. And and every year they say this can't continue. This can't continue. And well, it's continued, right? So, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I don't know where this ends for, uh, actually everybody's on pins and needles right now in Sarnia. My little, little news here is that we have, uh, I'm sure you've heard about it on the news, but we have, uh, we're a refinery town and, um, the, the, um, the, uh, governor of, uh, Michigan wants to close down line five, which is basically the main artery of oil that comes so it comes into Sarnia, it starts here and it goes straight across Ontario. But that's why we have all the refineries here. So that everything starts here and we're a refinery town. So we're, we might as well be a, a logging town with one, with one mill. 
and they're they're threatening to close the mill. So it's very scary what's going on in our city right now because they the government is uh, kind of intervening. But the uh, anyway, the Michigan they're trying to, to shut down this pipeline that's coming through here. So uh, so if it does get shut down, it's highly unlikely. But if it does get shut down, there's going to be some crazy stuff real estate wise going on here. I highly doubt that's going to happen. But um, anyway, yeah, we don't want the we don't want the mill closed down. That's for sure. Did you ever feel compelled to go to new markets, different markets? Like you know, we're in your market being so stagnant for years, really. Yes. Um, and then yes, yes. You've obviously waited the right amount of time, at least, because you've got that big surge here now. But do you still yeah, feel well, compelled or have you failed or how did you resist that? I guess maybe as well, well. You know, what's funny about that story is I actually, I don't want to say I, I did not time the market right. I sold about, uh, I sold about six properties right before the boom and uh, probably left about a million dollars out, uh, out there that, uh, that I would have had. But you know what? I mean, you can't, you can't time the market for, you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to have a nice house and I spent some money, sold some properties, built a, a great house. I'm happy. Uh, and there's, there's lots of what ifs and what could be, but, um, you know, I still have some properties left and I'm, I'm happy with the choices I made, but yeah, it's trying to, trying to time the, the market is, uh, I, I love, I love the uh, term that I sometimes hear people say is I'm going to just wait and see what happens. I'm not going to buy right now. I'm going to wait and see what happens. I go wait and see, like, that is yeah. so open-ended with what with yes. with the economy yeah. with coronavirus like what are you talking about and when do you go oh okay i've seen what happened now i'm ready yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah you see well you know it's funny <laughs> there's lots of times where i've seen a, a property that i you know we were talking about making uh you know lemonade out of lemons mm -hmm. uh, i've seen properties where real estate agents have brought me that i didn't see anything in them and then when you see another investor do something spectacular with that property and you go, Oh man, you know, I did not see that, you mm. know, um, you know, there's been some, there's been some real <clears throat> doozies that I've passed on in the last, you know, five years that I, uh, didn't, I just didn't see the vision and, uh, you see what other people can do with it, but it's great. You know, it's great. You take that, you take that and you, know, you put it, you put it back there, right. You stick it in your head and you go, okay, okay. Well now I know what can be done when something like this comes up again. Um, you know, and you, you put it, put it there and you put it on your list of, okay, yeah, yeah I can do that. Um, you can't know everything about everything. Right. Um, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn as much as I can. I'm trying to, uh, and, and especially I'll tell you, it's a, it's a dead end to trying to jump from strategy to strategy. I would, I would certainly uh, say, get good at something, pick something, get good at that one thing before you move on to a next, because if you're going to be chasing shiny things, I've, I mean, I've, I've been guilty of it myself. If you start chasing shiny things and you know, this guy's doing great in rent to own, or that girl is doing great in flipping or whatever. If you just start jumping around thinking, okay. And it's really hard with the internet now because everybody's a rock star. Mm -hmm. right? If you're looking on social media, everybody's a rock star uh, and nobody makes mistakes. Um, but um, if you talk to any of these people, oh yeah, yeah, there's plenty of them, plenty of mistakes to be, to be had by everyone. And I've certainly made a lot in my career and I'll be making lots more, but uh, you just have to keep on going and um, learn, try not to make the same mistake uh, too many times and keep, keep moving forward. It's, it's the same with location, right? I think Sarnia looks, Sarnia sounds pretty, it's, it's just a bit of a shiny object right now for us probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and it's a great, probably a great city to be investing in. There's there's a, there's a cities all over the place that sound appealing, but um, you know, staying in your lane and that... what you know generally is, mm -hmm. is, a good, is a good route. I'm gonna wait and see what just... happens with your- uh, With Sarnia? With your, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, they just said on the news that uh, Sarnia is the most, one of the most top, the top ten affordable cities in in Ontario now. I thought that was funny. Yeah, nobody wants anything. If you look up Sarnia on the uh, on Google Sarnia, they'll say there's a giant blob in the water, a green blob in the water, or or there's the the air is so bad you can't breathe. There's you know there's all kinds of uh, bad stuff in there about Sarnia. But actually, Sarnia it's a beautiful city. We're right on the water here. We have great beaches and. Uh, you know, I like it here. I, we get a little bit of smog, but, uh, um, you know, it's, it's a great city. Uh, I never did answer your question. Your question was, why did I stay in Sarnia? 
mostly just because you know my investments were here. I didn't really, I didn't really like the idea of moving to another city and then having to. I thought, I don't know. I I don't like the idea of having a bunch of uh, investments scattered all over the place. Some people are really good at uh, managing that kind of stuff, or they just hire property managers. I don't know. I just I like to be close to all my stuff. Uh, literally everything I, I own is, is a 10 minute drive. So um, it's nice. I like that. And then also my family's all here. So, um, you know, I, I actually really, really like the fact that my family's all close. You know, I want to go see my brother. I want to see my sister or whatever, my mom. I just, uh, they're a five minute drive. So, um, you know, so I, I like the small town sort of uh, living, you know, the if you can invest, this is my personal preference, obviously, but um, I like the fact that I'm in a, in a small area. There's no traffic. Like there's literally no traffic. Uh, I did the Georgetown thing for two years. If you missed the 401 by one minute, you were waiting an hour. Uh, <laughs> you know, I thought I am never, ever doing this again. And um, so I, I enjoy the small town. I don't know. I call it a small town living, but the people here say it's not a small town. Mm. But uh, yeah, compared to compared to the GTA, this is definitely small town living. So you separated out your your you kind of separated your active flipping business and your your buy and hold uh, corporation recently, uh, right? How, how what's the reasoning behind that, and, and how did that all come to be? Well, I'm in the process of doing that. I just, uh, I finally got my, my corp, my new corp made. Uh, I did the, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the whole three-tiered corporation setup, but I, I tried the three-tiered corporation setup many years ago. It didn't work for me. It was too complicated, too expensive. And, uh, you know, my gurus, everybody will tell you, you got to separate your active business from your, from your passive business, predominantly for, uh, liability, you know, if uh, mm -hmm. in your active business, say, for example, you're flipping houses, doing whatever, and someone saws their arm off or, or dies, they fall off the roof and dies, uh, you potentially you could get sued and, and you want to try to or slip and falls, those kinds of things. You want to keep uh, liability wise, it makes sense to have it in a separate corp. Uh, I'm doing it for that reason and other reasons. I, I think it's easier to keep track of financially um, in accounting perspective. Um, to keep track of, of everything on your passive side, your buying holds, and then have your active businesses, whether that be um, investing in, 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 uh, in flips or if you have a construction aspect or property management aspect to your business, having that separated, I think, uh, I think that makes it easier. And then also for me, it's a branding thing. I, I, my, my real estate company is called Big Dog Holdings. So, um, so in a branding perspective, it's not really, doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> I'm not going to be Dan, the big dog holdings house builder or whatever I'm going to be, uh, or the house flippers. That doesn't really make sense. So that, and I, so branding, so that's, uh, I'm going to be, uh, my new corp is called easy realty. And, uh, and I think it's, it's a perfect name for, for what I want to do. And then I think eventually down the road, when I do get into building, houses and uh potentially i want to build i want to build uh like retirement communities is ideally what i want to do down the road but i got to start by building something so i can build some houses but eventually that'll be a separate corp as well so that's why that's why i separated it all cool it's easy realty.ca right people can go check out yeah. that and easy learn more Dan, I can't like we could have probably done a, a double feature here, but uh, so would you be willing to come back and talk to us again? 100%. 100%. Anytime, guys. I mean, this is awesome. I loved every minute of it. You know, I think maybe sometime, Sandy, we should like start a series where we do like a deep dive and sort of like now we've got an overview of everything. You know, we could we could really dive into that first investment let's say as a as a like a, just a deep dive episode true i Even think that'd be one, very interesting property yeah good call and go from there but um dan i want to say you know a lot of people uh talk about luck and it sounds like you've gotten lucky on all these things but i do think that you are the perfect example of when preparedness um meets opportunity and that's what a lot of people define luck as so uh i just i I think you've done so much and thanks for coming on and sharing it all. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I, you know, one example I, you just <laughs> saying about picking one, one, um, one project apart, I actually just finished an, an eight downtown here, right downtown. And, uh, I, I, 
you know, the numbers, the complicated uh, parts of the deal, just I could talk for an hour just on that. It'd be actually mm -hmm. fun to do. I think a deep dive into a specific project is a great idea for your show. Uh, that, yeah. I mean, there's lots of people who would learn all kinds of stuff from, uh, from uh, developers. Absolutely. Well, let's commit to it now then. Look for it in the future, everybody. I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm so in. what's the, what's the best way that uh, people can reach out to you? So they can, uh, so my email is um, dan at BDH, which is uh, Big Dog Holdings, uh, bdhlimited.com. And my phone number, if you want to reach out on my cell, is 519-490-1212. Awesome. Uh, you can reach me that way. And all that info is going to be in our show notes. So if you missed it, you can uh, just click in there and get in touch with Dan. Um, Sandy. How can people get in touch with you? 289-389-6846 uh, or sandy at mckayrealtynetwork.com. And people can reach me at rob at mrbreakthrough.ca. Well, thanks for joining us again, everybody. Um, we'll see you next time.